0: This is the Kegelcast from Kegel.com. We're all about political cartoons and cartoonists and about the news and issues of the day. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to this and visit Kegel.com to see all the cartoons in case you're just getting the audio podcast and you're not seeing the cartoons. We'll discuss the top 10 most reprinted editorial cartoons in America from the last week. I'm Daryl Kegel and I'm here with Brian Farrington, our editor of Kegel Cartoons. And today we have two great award-winning cartoonists, Pat. Bagley who's drawn for decades for the Salt Lake Tribune in Utah. Hello Pat. Hi there. And RJ Matson from Maine who drew for years for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and Mad Magazine and the New Yorker and just about every place else. Nice to see you RJ.
1: Hi. Nice thank you. you.
0: So, gentlemen, what we're going to do is we're going to go through those top 10 cartoons and I just want to say these are the cartoons that editors chose to print. They may not be your favorite cartoons or our favorite cartoons. Editors have different criteria for cartoons of what cartoonists do. Cartoonists like hard hitting, tough cartoons that are persuasive and change people's minds. And we like to do powerful things. Editors like cartoons that don't generate any letters to the editor and are about topics of the day without taking a strong point of view on either side. And I have mixed feelings about showing these top 10 cartoons each of these podcasts, because we end up talking all the time about what editors like and how that frustrates us. And I guess that's on all of our minds. Apparently this is true of small town newspapers, that they don't
1: really like the controversy and cartoons are nothing but trouble. I think in bigger newspapers, they've got thicker skins and they tend to be a little more open-minded, I guess. True. when I was hired at the Post and patch they they told me they were looking for trouble, and they wanted a crusading cartoonist, and that was the goal. For you have the same situation in Salt Lake. At a, you're on the editorial board. You take part in all the editorial board meetings with the editorial page editor and the writer, and you generally come to a consensus on most issues. And even though they might present your cartoon as the cartoonist view, as opposed to the editorial page view of the day, I tended to stay in line with what we agreed on. So if we had a big debate and decided to Mm -hmm. endorse one candidate over another, I would reflect that in my cartoon. Um, Well, generally, we were all somewhat
0: aligned anyway. You have the number one cartoon of the week, which is this one. It's a social security card. And the Democrat donkey and the Republican elephant are pushing the pillars out from under the social security roof, and they're both saying, for starters, we're taking this off the table benefit cuts and new taxes. I should say that I, I read all of these and describe the cartoons because we're also an audio podcast and most people can't see the cartoons. So, RJ, well, what do you I think? I like
1: the image. I like the joke. This is drawn for a Roll Call, which is a newspaper that has been around for about 70 years. It covered Congress and Capitol Hill as if it were a small town. I just sort of like a like an industry journal of like variety covers Hollywood. The editor, you know, they're willing to do hard-hitting cartoons that make fun of specific politicians and take on each party. But I'm sort of always aware that day after day, week after week, they don't want it to seem like they're partisan and only picking on one side. So in any deadline day, I'll send them four or five sketches of different jokes on different topics. And I always try to sprinkle in cartoons that are sort of a pocket on Boaster House type in cartoons that make fun of Bill's party. So it never surprises me when they pick a cartoon like this. These cartoons may not always be the ones I'm most passionate about, but sometimes they can be very funny and pointed, and I see how this could be popular in the sense of being reprinted in the most newspapers around the country.
0: It's got yeah. all that familiarity to the social security card. I think it's cool. It's a beautiful cartoon. Pat, you have the number two cartoon this week. It's an Into the Woods cartoon with Little Red Riding Hood walking into these spooky woods. But they're the spooky woods with a wolf for Twitter and YouTube and TikTok and Pinterest and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, scary internet woods. Do you want to talk about this one? Sure. Lovely looking cartoon.
1: Sure. Apparently, suicide
0: rates among teenagers are going up, especially with
1: uh, girls. and. They're trying to figure out what is causing it. I think that one of the causes may be social media. Uh, we, uh, evolved over millions of years to be in groups and all of a sudden we're thrown into this wholly different kind of group that we're not really equipped to handle this. Anybody who goes on the Twitter, Facebook, don't have to go very far to find people who violently disagree with you and wish really horrible things on you. and I've got a thick skin, I've been doing this for 45 years, so I know what to expect. But people who are young and are thrown into that uh, cesspool, it can be pretty traumatic, I think. So that's what I'm trying to say in the cartoon, is that it is like going into the woods, and there are scary wolves out there.
0: And also, this is a cartoon that both left and right would agree with right now, Um, Mm -hmm. so that makes sense that the editors would gravitate towards this. Yeah, beautiful looking cartoon. So thank you. So the number three cartoon is by Jeff Katurba, who's a regular in the top 10 because uh, he's a moderate and he doesn't do those hard left for light cartoons. This is a little boy at the kitchen table eating candy Easter eggs. And the header says, as we head into the Easter season, little boy says, chocolate eggs for breakfast. And mom says, they were cheaper than the real thing. You know, these expensive eggs cartoons have just been sweeping the mm-hmm. top 10 and the c- cartoonists. They're doing expensive eggs cartoons. I don't think you guys are.
1: I haven't done an egg cartoon yet. It's on my bucket list for the month. <laughs> well, I noticed that eggs were getting really expensive a couple months ago. But in the meantime, they've solved the problem here anyway. and It's it's come back down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's, that's very bad. reassuring go up okay, but when they come down you have a
0: problem okay uh dave Granland is also very popular with editors mm-hmm. and uh, he's got two in the top 10 this week he's got a jimmy carter tribute cartoon jimmy carter was uh taken into hospice and things are looking bad for him with his cancer uh, and it show it's a pretty portrait cartoon man of many hats he's holding his construction hat from habitat for humanity it says farmer u.s navy governor president teacher carpenter jimmy carter you know every so often that we see cartoons like that's typically they're obituary cartoons this one's a little bit early actually Mm -hmm. i have been getting submissions of jimmy carter obituary cartoons early from cartoonists so we have to be careful not to post them um Mm -hmm. we've gotten a lot of trouble for that in the past particularly with nelson mandela because he was reportedly near death for something like three or four months. And we probably got 30 Nelson Mandela obituary cartoons a couple of months before he died. And we got so many angry complaints. It's like the whole world was outraged at us.
2: Well, I have a question for both of you guys. It's it's pretty standard policy in the newspaper business to pre-write obituaries for popular people. That way, when they actually go, they've already got it ready. I think the New York Times does that where they pretty much write everybody's obituary, sometimes decades before they die, but did your editors at your papers ever ask you to do that? If somebody prominent was about to die, can you have this ready for us so we can run it immediately?
1: At least in my case, they, they haven't asked, asked for that yet. No, that never happened. I could only imagine it happening if you're approaching a weekend deadline and they wanted to have them to into the Sunday paper on a Saturday, Yeah, you know, if I submitted my Sunday cartoon on Friday, but I, that never happened.
0: It makes me uncomfortable, and we have to watch out for it. It seems to me like you can wait until somebody actually dies. Mm -hmm. All right. This one is Dave Grandland's second cartoon in the top 10. It says freight trains, but he crosses out the E, and it becomes freight trains. And Mm -hmm. this is a toxic chemical train shooting down the tracks about two feet above the tracks, ready for an explosion like Palestine, Ohio. You know, Palestine, Ohio's, on everybody's mind, and this is what the editors were looking for.
2: Well, that's another example of a cartoon that doesn't really take uh, a left or right perspective. It kind of hits both sides mm-hmm. equally, and that's why editors uh, gravitate towards that. It doesn't take an ideological uh, point of view necessarily. So, right. Um, and it's also, you know, a topical uh, cartoon that covers tragedies. If it bleeds, it leads. So they have to cover that. So mm-hmm. it, it sort of
0: interestingly, the- cartoons that just uh, simply mention a topic that's in the news so that. Uh, you're thinking about it graphically, those tend to perform better than the cartoons that actually present a point of view about that topic. Right, right. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, this is Jeff Katerba's second cartoon in the top 10, Anniversary Cake, and it has Vladimir Zelensky standing on a big cake, which is the map of Ukraine, and a tiny little Vladimir Putin eating a little bit of the cake. He's very tiny. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, standard uh, trope for editorial cartoons to draw the, the character as diminished and being very small when you want to put him down. Presidents mm-hmm. tend to shrink as they, they go more years mm-hmm. in office, but not all presidents, you know, Trump got bigger and fatter, uh, but <laughs> Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter sure shrank. Um, yeah. I think it was Jimmy Carter who was the first president that was depicted as being diminished and it could have been Jack McNally
1: who did yeah. that since then. Other people yeah. have picked it up too. I but do notice that editors I,
0: shy away from Ukraine cartoons.
1: They do. I that's
0: kind of disappointing.
1: I would have drawn many more cartoons on it after a year than I have, and maybe I've gone month and not touched on the war in Ukraine. You know, they're and, them and, shying and that,
2: away from cartoons probably speaks to the editors thinking that the readers are not interested in yeah. cartoons, which is a
0: shame. If we get the the stats from our own site in any uh any cartoons about anything happening in a foreign country get very little traffic, even if it's a, a big, important event in a foreign country. Uh, the readers just don't have interest in that. Except when and
2: Queen it, Crow, that got a lot of mileage. But yeah. uh, other than that, I just
1: think that uh, network news, you know, news on television, big newspapers, they just don't have budget and staff to cover world events like they used to. Right. And they and become less of a priority and then there's less demand from the editor. But if it's not always in the news prominently, then then maybe even with the cartoonist, you're just focusing on other stuff when you really should be focusing on this huge story. Right. Like a presidential trip to Ukraine. I did a Ukraine cartoon this week because the president was there, Biden was there. So I I just thought this should be covered a lot more than it has been by cartoonish yeah. uh, throughout the year. About, well, if, yeah. Kim,
2: if Kim Kardashian traveled over there for some reason, it would be covered, but because she, you mm-hmm. know, that's part of the reason, too. All right, right, this
0: one's by Rick McKee. It's got a big inflation balloon, and newspapers just love these uh, big balloon cartoons. The mm-hmm. inflation balloon is lifting Uncle Sam up into the air, and he's tangled up in the cord, and Uncle Sam is thinking, where's a fighter jet when you need one? <laughs> no soft landing if
1: you get shot down.
0: Here's one by Adam Ziglis. Uncle Sam's looking up in the air at balloons and thinking, We need to do something about these objects in the sky, while at the same time behind his back unnoticed is the crash of chemical trade in Palestine, Ohio.
1: Yep. That's a classic. It's sort of yoking two newspaper stories together. And those cartoons always click, click.
0: That's a standard for cartoonists. How can we put two things together? Draw a mm-hmm. chart with arrows between them, which two things go together to come up with your cartoon in the morning. Do you guys do
1: uh, that? When I'm deaf for an I do. I
0: mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah. It's yeah. one of the ways
1: in a third out of joke when you need to.
0: So here is uh, Pat Burns, a uh, New Yorker cartoonist. He's got a man sitting in the chair looking at his cell phone and the wife looks horrified. man says, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder myself if I truly have this much hate in my heart or if I'm just doing it for the likes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's cute. That's a great comment mm-hmm. on social media. Yeah. Pat Burns is great. And here at number 10 is John Darko from Missouri. And he's got Jesus preaching at looks like the Wailing Wall in the crowd. someone's saying, he seems too woke for me. It is really, really right. rare that any kind of cartoon that depicts Jesus gets reprinted by newspapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Oh, I'm happy to see that. that. It okay. seems like a
2: cartoon that Pat would have drawn as well. By the way, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I don't think I have collected. Drawn Jesus. F- yeah.
1: Think, oh, I've drawn be lots of Jesuses. That I don't, don't think I've ever, ever drawn drawn at all. George. I've never drawn Mohammed. I've never drawn Buddha. I,
0: I got to be off the ball here. Yeah. Well, I can't recommend that you do. I have collected the five most reprinted cartoons that each of you have done in your entire careers with cable cartoons. And I thought I'd show those to you. Okay. So Pat, this is your most popular cartoon ever with editors. Wow. It shows a little family and uh, they're looking at a house that's up in the air that looks like an arrow pointing up with their word rent. Their rent is going up. And it says a major cause of homelessness explained. And the kids say, it's too high with some good cartoon cussing and the lady is trying to step on a stepladder of her wages i i'm guessing that this is a surprise that this is your most popular cartoon ever in yeah. fact it is 25 percent more popular than your second most popular cartoon <laughs> and it was yeah. reprinted in close to 250 papers the most that we can ever get a, a cartoon to be reprinted in um, wow this was wow. just all out crazy hit that eclipsed everything else you've ever done. It's, that's surprising me, but it, I mean, the, the cartoon is accurate, right?
1: No, yeah. it makes it a wonderful accurate. point.
2: It makes a wonderful point. And graphically, I think editors, are, I think, I thought the idea of using the arrow as the house and everything, I thought it was a good good cartoon. So, yeah, know, so I'm the, not surprised by that at yeah. all.
1: But. So the little kid who's swearing is too blank high. He's from that guy who visited years ago. Right. And his head thing was the rest of high. high. Right, When student I? He was funny. It does surprise
0: me. yes, this would be the most popular one I've ever done. But apparently oh. it, was,
1: it was a good one.
0: many people. It is, but Brandy. you know you do so many beautiful drawings and your number two cartoon this week is just a fantastic, beautiful drawing. Well, speaking of you know, this
2: cartoon, for example, I think what happens is when editors are logging in or when they're looking for something, you just happen to hit on that right image and that right issue at that very moment that blows up and i think that's what happened you probably nobody else had anything comparable to this and they said oh this is great we haven't commented on this and so you know it becomes Mm -hmm. very popular so there is a bit of luck in the timing of it i think
0: it was crazy all right here's your number two cartoon
2: oh you've got a huge crowd of people of
0: all colors and it's got a big we the people um and uh they're wearing t-shirts that say uh Strike for Climate, No Justice, No Peace, Black Lives Matter, Global Justice, I Care, Do You Equal Pay, I Can't Breathe, Me Too, Rainbow Flag. It's just a very nice, patriotic, freedom of speech cartoon, and editors liked it. I like it. I
1: wonder if they would like it now, because I did this during the George (laughs) Floyd protests, and I really felt like America was changing in a good way. There was going to be police reform, there was going to be addressing racism. This is systemic abuse of minorities in this country. I thought that we were heading in a good direction. Yeah. But the blowback against that has been pretty
0: ferocious. I don't know if you've seen it, but...
2: Yeah, I don't think this cartoon did very well in the conservative markets, for sure. Mm-hmm. For the yes,
0: you sure. didn't include any T-shirts that say right to repair or keep the
2: immigrants <laughs> out. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: I
0: didn't. Uh, sec- um,
2: Second Amendment. This uh, how about, how well did it go in Salt Lake when this appeared? How well did the reception go in Salt Lake?
1: The Salt Lake Tribune, taken by people who are generally more, I guess, liberal. And so the cartoon got a great response. I heard from people at the bookstore just out around the corner uh, that
0: they loved this cartoon. They thought it was great. This is a showpiece of a cartoon. This well, is a great it, one.
1: It's really hard to do a crowd scene with lots of faces. And oh, it. yeah. It Looks like it was done so quick and easy, but really have a lot going mm-hmm. on. And when I look at this, I think like i never noticed about your work. It just looked like a Joel Pfeiffer cartoon from the 1960s. Oh, he was one of
0: my, he yeah. One of my heroes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I loved his books. I loved his style. Great.
1: It's really nice. nice. Well,
0: thank you. Well, it's a beautiful cartoon, Pat. I would, I would put this on your obituary, but not early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not too early. Okay. This is your third most popular cartoon, and you've got a mailbox labeled as useful, a voting booth labeled as useful, and a guy labeled as useless who's saying, Bruh, your vote don't matter. Mm -hmm. Mail-in voting, in-person voting, useless. I think that's
1: cute. Well, thank you. One of the biggest frustrations I have with our elections is the people who just don't care. They don't vote. And they'll say stuff like, both parties are the same, what's the difference? Which drives me absolutely crazy because they are not the same. Yeah.
0: This is surely Um, an election day cartoon and also cartoons that are associated with holidays or events or anniversaries. Tend to far outperform other cartoons. So, uh, just the timing of this cartoon was a big boost to it. Okay, here's your number five. Uh, you've got the graduate throwing up college cost on his hat and he's throwing in the air, and then he's looking and looking up, and his hat is gone. He lost it. Mm-hmm. All that college cost went off into the ether. And I should say, too, that you reposted this cartoon, having posted it earlier. And this is just the stats from your. Uh, from your reposted cartoon, but if you added them together, which I wasn't able to do, this might be your most popular cartoon. Interesting. I don't know about adding them together to get a lifetime number on it. Well, so, but again, it's well, one of those well, cartoons that doesn't go well, Democrat or Republican, um, right?
1: Yes, in, uh, and also
0: it's, it's long... kind of uh, it's kind of tied to the event of graduation time, and yeah. they really do scarf up the graduation cartoons at that time. Yeah. Right.
1: And graduations happen over maybe six weeks. It's not like it's all tied to one week of the year. So you could run that cartoon anytime in May or June. Right.
2: Appropriate. And well, we get six stuff, weeks of like holiday cartoons. We get right. six mm-hmm. weeks of Christmas
0: cartoons. And six weeks of it's too hot in the summer cartoons. (laughs) Some events last for a while. You have uh,
2: graduation, then you have back to school, then you Mm -hmm. have summer vacation cartoons, Mm -hmm. and editors love that stuff.
0: And still, even though all these events are great and really boost usage on the cartoons, the cartoonists submit the cartoons too late to be printed for the events. And we get all kinds of complaints from editors about that. It's very (laughs) frustrating to us. We can't get the cartoonists to comply. But that's just our problem here. All right, Pat, this mm. is your last one, and uh, I guess that makes it number five, and you've got the huge sun that's global warming, and uh, the lady is trying to explain to the Trumpy in a red MAGA hat what's going on, which is very obvious in the big global warming lettering, and he says, mm-hmm. I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, that's a great cartoon. From a technical standpoint, are you guys using a pencil, or you guys get that sort of organic feel which is so appealing there's
0: beautiful texture throughout this yeah
2: yeah exactly Mm
0: -hmm. so i use a uh, an ipad with a pen and the app is
1: procreate Uh, it's got all kinds of brushes and all kinds of textures and you can achieve a lot of different looks by changing pins and and trying different things seems like i did something just a couple days ago where uh because i was using procreate i could go back and i can't remember what it was <laughs> but it was an effect that i could do with procreate that i otherwise right. could not do with an embedded pencil but it's the procreate pencil so it it looks like the real right. thing no it's a great oh, effect well, great effect very lovely
2: very organic and great no, thank all you. right
0: rj this is your most popular cartoon you've ever drawn for us uh, you've been with us quite a few years uh, this is Biden on the set of The Price is Right, looking very much like Bob Barker. And uh, you've got Democrats labeled progressives, moderates, and blue dogs with their guess on how much it costs, $3.5 trillion, $2.5 trillion, $1 trillion, and the Republican-looking glum, and he's guessed one. Um, this is a pox on House, deer I'm yeah, sorry,
2: what?
1: I, I'm- the low bit is always a smart bit, isn't yeah,
0: it? On the who's
1: writing. The reason I'm surprised is because often when I I'd sketch ideas, I, I have two or three that I absolutely fall in love with. And often I just throw in another in idea or two just to fill out what I'm submitting to my editors. And this is one of those that was just thought of at the last second. And I really didn't think anybody would, would pick it. You know, I didn't think my editors would go for it. They, they loved it, and so I I'd probably fine tune it from the sketch stage to this in terms of the elements that are in it. But um, so it just surprised me. Some, you know, you never know where an idea that will click with people will come from. You know, and so and it wouldn't have been one. You know, at the sketch stage, I would have picked to be um, a really good cartoon, a popular cartoon. Well,
0: it surprise really surprised me because it's got uh, donkeys and elephants in it, and it's got Biden in it. And Usually, you put a president in a cartoon, and that just kills it. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, Price is Right mm-hmm. is like uh, middle America; it's uh, Americana, and you don't see Price is Right cartoons. And I'll oh, bet the editors just just thought, I know my readers; they all watch The Price is Right. They got to have this cartoon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think
0: I've done two other Price is Right cartoons
1: in the last two or three years. So
0: maybe I'm on something. I think, a I think so. All right, here's your number two cartoon. And this was another one that surprised me because this is uh, bashing the Democrats a bit more than the Republicans. And you've got the Democrat showing his presentation. says 2022 midterm elections focus group. And he says, We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And all the voters in the audience are saying, Inflation, war with Putin, rising crime, a nuclear exchange, illegal immigration, more COVID. Editors like these cartoons that are a list of all the things that are troubling mm-hmm. to people, particularly at the New Year's cartoons when everybody's uh, so happy to get rid of the last year and every year can have the same kind of cartoons about the list of everything that's terrible. This is a list of everything that's terrible cartoon. Uh, and those are popular.
1: Mm-hmm. Duly noted. I'll send other more of
0: them. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just wary of
1: the idea of drawing cartoons to be popular because it's kind of going down the, the road that Fox News went down. You know, trying to cater to your audience instead of, instead of just doing what you think is important, you know. Well, I should but, say um, that
0: the vast majority of our cartoons, uh, we've got 60 cartoonists. We get about 130 cartoons a week and the top five of the top 10 every week probably are reprinted so much more than the bottom five and all of the other 120 cartoons of the week that uh, it's probably equal, the top five and the other 125 cartoons. That's um, amazing. And we really need to have some cartoons that editors want in order to have a viable mm-hmm. thing that editors want to subscribe to because the cartoons that cartoonists want to draw that 120 out of 130. That is mm-hmm. not at all what the customer wants. And cartoonists right. tend to pay very little attention to the demand side of the equation. Which I don't mind because I'm not really fond of what editors want, but at the same time, we have to have a viable product to make it work. Now, in both your cases, you guys draw lots and lots of strong cartoons and really everybody draws some cartoons that editors would like, but also the strong cartoons that they want that the editors don't ever print. To Daryl's point,
2: the major pushback we've had was right after Trump was elected in that first Mm -hmm. spring of 17. And about halfway through the spring, we started getting numerous complaints from editors saying, do you guys have any cartoons that aren't Trump bashing cartoons? And I said, well, Trump's in a character and even our conservative guys are taking swings at him. And they just said, well, the readers are sick of it. And we got a lot of pushback on that in terms of what the cartoonists felt they wanted to draw versus what the editors wanted mm-hmm. to run. And, and of course that cooled off and the editors were sympathetic to what was happening. They just said, listen, we need anything that doesn't have Trump in it. We'll take anything. Uh, and everything has Trump in it right now. And so what we, we did is on our login page, we put up the Trump friendly section, just so any cartoon about holiday or anything like that had nothing to do with Trump, those became popular during that period of time. But but that was a, definitely a period where the cartoonists wanted to draw, and it was their responsibility to do that. But So it was a little bit of a trying period. Daryl, you should you
1: should mention that on your website, you put the most popular cartoons on the right-hand side of the screen, right? Keep
0: in mind that that is uh, a site that's only for editors, that the readers go to the Kagel.com site, where we don't call that out. Uh, right. But for editors, we were finding editors complaining that there were no conservative cartoons because they're bothered by cartoons that they disagree with more than they're reassured by the cartoons that reinforce their pre-existing worldview. And so we put up a conservative section at the top, just to stop those complaints so that they would see that there are conservative cartoons. And what we found was the conservative editors really don't print the conservative cartoons more than the liberal editors. They both print the same cartoons, which are the ones that are not taking any point of view. So that is really just to deal with the complaints. And the popular section is to deal with the editors who complain that all the cartoons are terrible. And, you know, there's a lot of editors that complain about that. I realized that by culling out the cartoons that are popular, we are uh, making them even more popular, which creates more of a distance between the popular ones and the less popular ones.
2: Well, it's I should, clarify, I should clarify the point of what Daryl said. When they complain and say they're terrible, they don't mean they're terribly drawn. They, they think they're wonderfully drawn. It's just they're terrible and they don't particularly agree with the message. Well, we have editors complaining about other syndicates, which we won't name, that are competitors who they think are terrible because the art is bad. That's not what, that doesn't happen with us. They they really appreciate the standard of work that most of our guys do. Uh, it's just that when they disagree, it's over It's over the tone or the subject of the cartoon, which is, you know, to be
0: expected. This is one reason I think on these podcasts I wouldn't get away from just doing the popular cartoons. There's no the alert
1: and they could just hire a cartoonist to work. <laughs> but, and so... I mean, that kind of raises mm-hmm. the question. Of, there's, there's so few papers that have a cartoonist. Do the syndicated cartoonist, have the responsibility to provide the material for all these newspapers and stuff, hire their own, create stuff that, with that broad appeal? Because if you're at a big daily newspaper, if yeah. you're doing a job right, in my opinion, maybe drawing five or six cartoons a week, and at least three, three. of them should be on the local issues. And then you do you need to do some national stuff and the local stuff for your own audience, but you're right. also tailoring your cartoon to your own editorial page's point of view. And if you're in that kind of situation, the drawing cartoons would draw appeal. Uh, there's definitely a need for it. I see that. It's, it's, no, I, I think a cartoonist
2: all. has to be true to his own conscience and what he wants to draw mm-hmm. or he wants to draw. We don't tell anybody what to draw. We oh, just have the data with the feedback of years of editors bitching and moaning, and this is what they bitch Yeah, want but, me. I mean, at
1: any paper, I'm a, I, don't, I don't want to be a jerk. I generally like my community, and I want to draw cartoons that people in the community will like. I don't want to always be the uh, picking up, pointing out flaws, and, or challenging people to change their beliefs. I generally like drawing a cartoon that everybody loves, and it's just a feel-good cartoon.
2: A cartoonist has to be in tune with his own audience pat's probably better at that than anybody around is he's so in tune with the people of utah and and i think that's why he's so he's still around is because i've
0: uh, I've been i've been here a long 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 time yeah pat's been employed longer than any other cartoonist that has a job now there are very few cartoonists who have jobs now
2: yeah he does great cartoons about the state of utah and the politics and the social aspect mm-hmm. of it uh, probably better than anybody because he's so in tune with that, and I think that speaks to why it's so important to have a cartoonist on staff. Is because after so much time, they they know the uh, the readers better than anybody, and I think uh, to RJ's point, that's why it's so important to hire cartoonist is to have that voice, and the readers can open up the paper or read read it online, and they can relate to it because they said this is familiar. I Get the references, I get you know uh, whatever right. else it is, and I think when you do purely syndicated material you lose that.
0: Well, I I should add that about 50 years ago in the 70s there were a little more than 2000 newspapers and there were about 150 cartoonists who had staff jobs. And you know, that is still 7% of of yeah, papers uh, that had staff jobs. Yeah, even there, if it's there have never been a large percentage of papers right. that had staff jobs and ever since syndication Almost everybody who saw editorial cartoons and most of the content on the editorial page were seeing syndicated content. Right. So although for us it's a calamity that all of these cartoonist jobs are gone, mm-hmm. 150 down to maybe less than 20 now, that's not a, a big percentage change since it was uh, ever. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always been mostly syndicated cartoons. Right.
1: Um, uh, when I was in St. Louis, you know, the Post-Dispatch, the traditionally right. liberal paper and the St. Louis Globe, Democrat, I think it was called, was the conservative paper where Pat Buchanan was the editorial page editor. But that was about 20 years before I got there. But everyone in the community remembered it until the conservatives. And so they were always policing the editorial page of the Post-Dispatch to make sure that we were kind of even handling them, always writing me. But when I was laid off after they went through bankruptcy, I took great solace in the letters I got from conservatives. Demoning the fact that they weren't going to see all the great local cartoons, right? Because they just they wanted the local issues in mm-hmm. their city covered, and they like seeing yeah. it reflected back in the cartoon, right? They, they like the drawings that had what St. Louis landmarks with in them, them and and, and, men. and neighborhoods they recognize as background. It's, it's it's just a great way for a newspaper to build community in it. And that's so well, and and it's, it's the local like, cartoons that have the most impact. If I do a cartoon yeah, about yeah. Joe Biden, it's just another pebble in landed landslide. Mm-hmm. But if I do a cartoon about Mm -hmm. cutting taxes for rich people in Salt Lake City, uh, Mm -hmm. that gets noticed. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly.
0: So, RJ, this is your next most popular cartoon. Operation Warp Speed Ahead. You've Mm -hmm. got the Starship Enterprise with uh, two vaccine needles on it, labeled COVID-19 vaccines. And uh, it's uh, warp speeding to an arm near you. This doesn't surprise me because it's got Star Trek in it. All right. And uh, the Polarized Express. This is your last popular cartoon, the Coronavirus Relief Edition. You've got a, a train in front of the Capitol labeled Congress, and the Democrat and Republican engines are pulling the train in opposite directions so that it's mm-hmm. going nowhere. The Coronavirus Relief is going nowhere. It's a pox in both your house's cartoons. And it's exactly. a beautiful, cartoon. Thank, it's a
1: beautiful cartoon. Thank you. I could probably publish a book of, over the past 20 or 30 years of gridlock, Washington, stuck. nothing gets done cartoon. It's a, it's a staple and especially drawing for, you know, the Congress the newspaper of Congress, well, my audience.
0: Hey, we have reached the end of our cartoons, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Yeah, good to see you. Thank good good see you. Guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. That's it. Remember to subscribe, visit the Kegelcast.com site for all of our podcasts. Visit Kegel.com to see all the cartoons by all the best cartoonists, including Pat and RJ. And I'll see you next time with another exciting episode about editorial cartoons drawn by artificial intelligence with our brilliant cartoonist, Rick McKee, who did the first syndicated drawn by artificial intelligence cartoon that we will be discussing as a threat to our lives and livelihood. Gentlemen, I will see you later. And again, thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Thanks guys.